Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. He'll live there forever. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. God had set her bed on fire. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. If they're not upset, no reason to make them upset. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You're all living with tiny, tiny ghouls out there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this extra spooky edition of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this is our fifth anniversary special. Wow, Amy. We should have got each other something. What We should have looked up what the fifth <laughs> anniversary is. I got you combs for your hair and you got me a watch fob. Only the problem is I sold my watch to get you those combs and you sold me your hair to get me. Oh, the gift of the Magi. Your beautiful Palomino pony hair is gone. I would like to start, Amy, with the mailbag today. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Wait a minute. Time for mailbag. Wait, wait, wait yeah, yeah, yeah. Check the mailbag. Amy and Margaret, look and see. Oh, yeah. Is there a letter in your bag please, to read? Because my sister, Kate, who, as we all know, is working on her tell-all memoir. So I stole Amy from my sister, Kate. She was my sister, Kate's friend. Yeah. And so my sister keeps threatening to write a book called What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, Crying Behind the Scenes about how I stole. <laughs> Colin. <laughs> Two colons crying behind the scenes. Yeah. Yes. And about how I stole Amy and made a business with her. And she was extremely upset that I said that the Marianas Trench, which is actually called the Mariana Trench, was in the Bahamas. Where is it? <laughs> because I was scuba diving and thought I was looking at the Mariana Trench. I was not. I was looking at another big, deep pool. We were talking about this in the How Motherhood Changes You episode. Yes. She texted me. How Motherhood is like the Mariana Trench. Yes. It's not really a mailbag. This is a text bag today. <laughs> Because she said, Mariana Trench, she sent me a Wikipedia link about it. And she said, good Lord, woman, anyone who's seen the Meg knows this, that it is located off the coast of Japan. Oh. And I said, what did I say? Did I say Marianas? I think that's pretty close. And she said, you said it was in the Bahamas. Exclamation <laughs> point. I think you should do an episode with a fact checker that has one of those buzzers from the game Taboo. Oh. And she was quite upset with me. She is, my sister is an ocean swimmer and an ocean lover. And she loves all things fish and the sea. And she was extremely outraged that I mislocated the Mariana 
Trench, and it is not called the Marianas Trench either. This is the perfect segue, though, because today we're going to talk about, like, who can really say what's true? Like, reality, (laughs) perception, fantasy. Who can say what's real? I am so excited for this episode. It's going to be great. I will say that my sister would say she can say what's true. But again, we're debating the oddities of life, and we're talking about... Our kids are creepy. It's Halloween week, Amy. And so we yes. decided to lean in to the creepiness. Amy put up a post on our Facebook page featuring the twins from The Shining. <laughs> and we're like, and said, kids are creepy and we want to hear your creepy kid stories. And OMG, did you guys deliver? So good. And so many truly creepy stories. I also have some research today. So I don't know. I feel like maybe we should tell some creepy stories. And then when we get really creeped out, then I can give you some research and pull you back from the edge. As to why we're not actually living with ghost schools and monsters. Pull you back from the Mariana Trench. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Which, by the way, is in Asia, off the coast of Japan, not in the Bahamas. Yeah. All right, Amy, lead us off. Take us in. So kids are creepy in lots and lots of ways. The first way that kids are creepy at night is, Colby says, for sure, the creepiest is when you're dead asleep and feel the presence of your silent preschooler staring at you next to your bed. <laughs> yeah, this is a classic, like, do I feel like someone's staring at me? I'm just going to ignore it because every time I feel that, it's just that I'm insane. And then you open your eyes. And for a reason that, Maybe you will make clear, but I do not understand. There is a small child, like a Victorian ghoul, just staring at you in a very frightening way. Like a centimeter from your face, right? They get really close. We often say blank facing on this podcast, like you should blank face some children's behaviors. And these kids (laughs) are really blank facing. They're dead inside. They're from another world. And why don't they just... I will say my daughter went through a phase of trying to wake me up. And there's something funny about kids where they know they're not supposed to wake you up. Mm -hmm. So my daughter would do this. And my husband's a snorer. So I sleep with earplugs in. And so she would come in and be like, (laughs) Mom. Like she somehow knows that I'm like, you're already committing to it. You might as well just (laughs) scream because otherwise, like I'm half having a dream that a that a ghost murdering child is screaming my name like and I just wake up in a cold sweat of terror. And I tried to convince her that it was better to just shake me vigorously and scream, mom, like I would rather wake up in a start than wake up over the course of like a full (laughs) minute of like (laughs) the ghost is real. Yeah. Which is. Shall we say terrifying? Right. You're having a nightmare that there's a ghost and then you wake up and the ghost is real. This takes me on the tangent to moms hearing voices that aren't there. Like that's why and your brain is trying to sleep because you're like, there's nobody whispering mom. It is just your imagination. Charmay says she always hears a distant crying sound when I take a shower. When my son was a baby, it sounded like a baby crying. And now it sounds like toddler cries. He's fine when I get out of the shower, but I hear the phantom cry every time. I mean, amazingly true. Yeah. I will say, hashtag this gets better. Like, I don't do this as much anymore, but I used to not be able to take a shower without turning off the water like three different times and being like, what? Who's calling me? Who's calling me? What? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I like to have my tunes on, Amy, when I'm in the shower. I have my little Bluetooth speaker. I like to rock out in the shower. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. I would. Be, the speaker would go off and, the, yes, what is it? And it's just <laughs> the voice in my head that is somehow like... 
many a time I would wake up in the middle of the night and run down the hall to attend to my baby who was sound asleep because I heard this phantom cry. Yes. But it's a thing. Can I give you a little research? Please do, because this I do understand is a thing. Go. Yeah. So many moms report this. It most likely has to do, they say, with a highly stimulated maternal brain. We just talked about this on the um, How Motherhood Changes Us episode, that if you're the mom getting up in the middle of the night, the parent who gets up in the middle of the night, particularly a breastfeeding parent who gets up in the middle of the night, you are just so tuned in that you're hyper aware and it can just tip into, it can get over, hyper vigilant is the word I'm looking for. So this is your hyper vigilance at work. But there's also something a little spookier. Mm -hmm. Pareidolia is our brain's tendency. Our brains love to identify patterns. Mm. So our brains will look for meaning in garbled noise or blurred images. So I'm sure you've seen these things on like, I don't know, the Discovery Network or whatever. There's a fan on. And then in the fan, you can totally hear a ghost saying like, get out of my house. And like that kind of stuff. I used to, everyone's had this with the breast pump. Yes, yes, yes. It's like, zoom, zoom. And it's like, I can't remember what mine used to, but it's like Easter wet, Easter <laughs> wet. Like it's nonsense words, but it's saying it to you again and again and again. Yes. That's your brain. is like, well, that doesn't make sense. So let me try to find a way that this makes sense. So if a ghost hunter or a psychic tells you that you can hear a certain phrase, or if you're in the shower and you're listening for your baby crying just a little bit, your brain's going to find that pattern even where it doesn't exactly exist. There was a TikTok thing or somewhere that it was like, I can't remember what the first word, but the second one was Yanny. It was like yes. building or Yanny. Right. It was like the blue dress or the gold dress. Right. And it was like, if you think of one word, that's what you hear. Yes. And if you think of the other word, that's what you hear. It makes sense that your mind does this. I will give you a tip, although this is just spooky stories, but quick tip. I found when my kids were little, if I would just say to my husband, if he was home before doing an activity, you're listening for the kids, this wouldn't happen. It switches off that part of your brain that's oh listening. Gosh. That's a good idea. If I would just say to my husband, I'm taking a shower, listen for the kids, I would not hear them crying. All right, let's pivot to a truly creepy thing kids do. <laughs> sure. Why not? Danielle says two words, night terrors. Mm. Did any of your kids have night terrors? I had one with really bad night terrors. My nephew had it, and I'll start with they are, and then we can talk about how creepy they are. I'm ready. About 3 to 6% of kids have them, and it happens about 2 to 3 hours after your kid will fall asleep. They're moving from the deepest stage of non-REM sleep to lighter REM sleep. Okay, so they're transitioning between phases of sleep, and just for some reason, I'm not a sleep scientist... They become Linda Blair. They're upset. They're frightened. They seem awake. You explain it because you had a kid with them. Yeah, their eyes are open. They're talking to you. I would go upstairs. We would start to hear crying, but not like, like full out. I am being eaten by a bear. That is the sound that you're hearing. We would run upstairs and my son would often be sitting up in bed, eyes open, screaming, my foot hurts. That was his go to when he had night terrors. As far as we could tell from vast doctor's appointments and interviews during the day, there was nothing wrong with his foot. But maybe he was getting a Charlie horse. I don't know. But whatever was going on, he would scream, my foot hurts, my foot hurts. And then the more you try to calm him down, the more it would get out of control and crazy. And we would kind of try to wake him up and it would make everything worse. And our pediatrician finally said to us, this is night terrors. You have to leave him alone. He is transitioning in his sleep and he will transition. But the more you try to rouse him or talk to him, the longer you keep him in whatever that like liminal space or whatever he's trapped in. <laughs> He'll live there forever. Yeah, he's in the upside down and like you're trapping him there by talking to him. 
Yeah. And so it became this huge discipline. You could go up and like put one hand on his back, basically. But other than that, we did not interact with him at all. And then the insane exorcist level possession, he would eventually, and then there would be a little cute time where he'd be like, it's like watching someone have a break with reality, but they're not really awake. No. And then he would not remember it at all the next day. No memory. Emily's kid used to have night terrors. Hashtag it gets better. She says, more than once I thought this is what drove people to call priests and start witch hunts. The 1587 me would fully be like, what hath possessed my child? Correct. You'd be like, get me to the priest. We must (laughs) bathe this child in holy water. Jillian says, my two-year-old would stand at the top of the stairs at night and scream, something's coming. I never found out what was coming. That's relaxing after a long day. Yeah. She said, sometimes I'd go up to her room and a few times she would tell me she couldn't get back in bed because God had set her bed on fire. Hmm. Okay. Sounds rational. You know what we need to do an episode, Amy, on, which I think would be funny, is like, Old superstitions, like the changeling, which is an Irish thing that like during the night someone swapped out your baby for another baby. It's a thing that... For a fairy baby. Yeah. Fairy ba- Fairies would come and swap your baby. They'd leave a fairy baby and they'd take your baby. Mm-hmm. We should go back and look at some of those and be like, this is what's really happening there. Because it's true <laughs> right. that like all of these things have actual explanations and like the changeling, right? Like every once in a while I would be like, it's my changeling. Like I would hear my Irish ancestors when my kid is suddenly a completely different kid the next day, you know? My daughter used to sleepwalk and that's also spooky. Oh, horrifying. That's scarier than night terrors to me. Right. Because they're walking around and they're very calm in a way that's very spooky. And so my daughter would, in her sleep, she was little, come down the stairs. One time she appeared in the living room. We were watching, I don't know, we were watching some Netflix show, right? And she appears in the living room you know, with this, the undead stare, right? <laughs> and we're like, honey, what's up? And she says, my seat hurts. Like like the foot thing. And we were like, what? My seat hurts, she said with this like really angry. And we were like, to get, sit, what? And then, you know, then just as creepily, she just turned and left and walked back up the stairs and went to bed. Oh God, I'm really sorry that happened to you. I would never sleep again. And you're left with like this super... <laughs> Creeper deeper, you know, but can I give you a little research just to bring it back from the edge? Why this stuff happens in the middle of the night? Yes, but I do want to say that zombies, by oh. the way. Like we, this is another one for our episode. Maybe I'm ruining our episode, but like that's zombies. That's zombies. Yeah. Right. So this stuff tends to happen in the middle of the night, right? And we're talking about like the sleep phases and stuff, but we're going to move to like seeing ghosts and talking about seeing ghosts and that spooky stuff. Okay. And that stuff happens in the middle of the night too. Yes. And so does sleepwalking. So the sleepwalking thing is also REM sleep. It happens to scare us. Supernatural experiences, reported (laughs) supernatural experiences, you guys. Clarkson University says that they tend to happen between two o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the morning. I've had a supernatural experience and it happened in the middle of the night. Also, temporal lobe seizures also happen most often between two o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the morning. It's the same two hour of the night zone. Okay. And the temporal lobe is the area of your brain that processes vision and language. Okay. So this Clarkson University scientist is like, you're just having a little like electrical storm in the temporal lobe of your brain between two o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the morning when you wake up and see somebody standing in the corner of your room as I fully did. No, thanks. (laughs) Are you a dreamer? Do you have very vivid dreams? 
I did. Well, I'll give away the punchline, which was this is when I had COVID in 2020. I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a woman standing in the corner of my room, like as clear as day. And I reassured myself, like this building that I live in is very new. It's about 20 years old. There's no way that nobody lived here before me who's dead. Like she is not a ghost. You have COVID. This is, you know, your brain infected by COVID right now. But she was real and she was there. Was she scary looking? Did she she look like like Lula Rona? No, she looked like a regular lady like you'd bump into at Walmart. That's all I remember. Like, you also don't have on a bonnet, so you're not a ghost. <laughs> you're just a lady. Hi, could you go back to Walmart, please? Because this is my bedroom and I'm trying to sleep. She just was wearing like a nice top and pants, you know, like a lady who would like take your blood or something at the, you know, urgent care. And so I just looked at her and I said, you're not real. And she didn't answer me. So I'm like, okay. And then I went back to sleep. Oh, you're creeping me out. We'll be right back with even more creepiness. <laughs> Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking... I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret. When you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H-HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Amy, we're back. I have a story. Uh, When my niece was about two years old, my mom was going out to visit and this two-year-old announced to her mom that she did not want grandma to come because grandma makes the scary pumpkin face. And she was awake. It wasn't the middle of the night. She was just like crying and very frightened. (laughs) 
And so my sister-in-law called my mom and said, quick question, <laughs> were you guys ever playing a game or doing anything that involved pumpkins, scariness? Like, did you see something? And my mom was kind of upset. Like, well, I don't want my granddaughter to be afraid. But she's like, I have no idea what she's talking about. And we never got to the bottom of the scary pumpkin face. Like possibly she'd had a nightmare or something. And then when my mom went out, everything was totally fine. But there was like a full day where this child was hysterical because she didn't want grandma to make the scary pumpkin face. Oh my God. What is a scary? Is it like a toothless grin? Is it a witch's cackle? Again, this is the other problem with children. They don't really <laughs> explain themselves that much. Again, she was just like, you know, the scary pumpkin face. <laughs> they, kids have a way of describing something like better than real. I was walking with my daughter a long time ago and she told me that she saw a deer, but I didn't see it. And then, you know, two minutes later, we come around a corner and there's a huge, you know, a doe standing there. And I said, oh, there's the deer that you saw. And she said, not that deer. My deer had sticks on his head and, you know, was a antler guy. What are they called? <laughs> buck. <laughs> a bu he was a buck. Mm -hmm. Yes. Anybody who doesn't live in New York City is screaming at their phone right now. So anyway, we went to our Facebook page and we asked you guys to tell us the creepy things that your kids have done and said. And we're going to move from the creepy things they do to the creepy things they say. Get ready, you guys. Oh, I'm not ready. I can tell you right now, I'm not ready. Hope you can sleep tonight after you hear these. Let's start with the grandma one. There's a bunch of grandma ones in here, but Rebecca says, we live in a 115-year-old house. When my daughter was about three, I couldn't find her downstairs. I looked upstairs in a converted attic that was off limits to the kids, and I found her playing there. As I walked up the stairs, I heard her talking to somebody. I asked her what she was doing, and she said, I'm playing with grandma. I laughed, and I said, your grandma lives in San Diego. And she said, not my grandma, the grandma who lives here. No, thank you. <laughs> This one creeps me out. Like there is sort of, I'm not that into like aliens, ghosts. Like I'm not, there are some people who have a lot of thoughts about this and it's just not, I don't know if I've decided, it just has not entered my space in terms of like, it's not something I think about in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't think it's interesting, but kids living close to somehow like the veil that separates worlds seems very true to me in a way that I don't know. Yes. Psychology professor Jacqueline D. Woolley. She researches kids' understanding of reality and fantasy. So this is what she does. And she says, yeah, there are admittedly a lot of reports of kids seeing ghosts. Yeah. She's not here to tell you what they're seeing, but she's here to say that kids do this a lot. Now, should I do some more scary ones or should I tell you? Scare me more. Scare me more first. Let's lead with scary. We'll come back to Dr. Woolley. Yeah. Listen, Dr. Woolley, <laughs> stay there. Stay nearby. You're our safe friend <laughs> and we need you. But let's do a couple of more creepy ones first. Vanessa says when her daughter was in preschool, she mentioned an old lady standing behind a friend of hers at school and that kid's great grandmother had just passed away. Hmm. Like... Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to accept. I'm not going to worry that much about what these things are about. Look, some of these ghosts are nice, right? Like, I hope your great grandmother is coming and keeping an eye on you in preschool, little girl. Like, I'm comforted by that. Yeah. You know what I'm not comforted by? Nicole, who says that her three-year-old <laughs> would point to the front door at nighttime and say the scary kids are out there. <laughs> <laughs> like the children of the corn. 
Lisa's three-year-old says that the invisible kids make her do bad things. Okay. This is like, does anybody, um, is Charlie and Lola still on TV? I don't think that it is. Never heard of it. So anybody whose kids are younger than mine, you won't know what I'm talking about. It's such a good show. It's a British kids TV show about a brother and a sister. And kind of an Ernie and Bert, you know, kind of dyad. Charlie's always trying to do the right thing. And Lola's a little bit of a troublemaker, his little sister. Anyway, she has an invisible friend, Soren Lawrenson. Then in the world of the cartoon is real, like Snuffleupagus. Yes. Like we, yes. the reader, the viewer, we can see Soren, you know, Soren Lawrenson has like a dotted line outline, but Soren Lawrenson is there. And Soren Lawrenson makes Lola do like she has a present that she has wrapped up for a friend for a birthday party. And Soren Lawrenson's like, well, I think we can unwrap it and just look at it. Well, I think we can take it out of the box and play with it. She ends up, you know, breaking the kid's birthday present that's for somebody else. But Soren Lawrenson makes her do it. And in the world of the book, it's like, yeah, he did. He totally made her. But my kids have said to me, especially, you know, not lately when they were little, like the bad voice told me to do that. And I do think some of that is just trying to kind of quantify for themselves, like I had an instinct to do that. I wanted it. I wanted to like take a piece of the cake. Yes. But they would sort of be like the bad man told me to do that mm -hmm. as opposed to like, I just really wanted to. I think that's a kind of a non-integration thing. You know, I'm just trying to comfort myself, Amy, because I'm frightened. <laughs> Crystal's three-year-old niece told her mom they walked by a hotel and she pointed to the hotel and she said, that girl wants to come out to play, pointing to a window with nobody in it, but she's not allowed to come out. They were walking past the Holly Hotel in Holly, Michigan. Turns out it's haunted. Uh, yikes. <laughs> we're just going to tell each other scary things and then be like, yeah, all right, terrified. That's scary. When we were growing up, I was trying to think of examples. We lived in a very, very old house, like a 200-year-old house growing up, and weird stuff was constantly happening in the house. Things were appeared and disappeared. And my mom, which is always be like, oh, that's the poltergeist. Like, she just it was very matter of fact. And my mom was not a goody goo goo type person. But she was like, oh, yeah, there's just poltergeists in old houses that make weird things happen. <laughs> I tried to look up, like, why do poltergeists, you know, why do they, like, flicker the lights and break things and whatever? Like, why do they do that? It's because they can't just talk to us, I guess. Oh, you ha it's the movie The Others. Have you seen that movie? No, I don't think I have. Oh, it's so good. Nicole Kidman. Everyone go watch that movie. It's okay. creepy, but not terrifying. And it explains why the poltergeists... You'll be all set on your lights. Are just like toddlers and, you know... I think it's called The Others. Kate, write in if I'm wrong, because <laughs> she will. Now, to be sure, like, if you're looking for something spooky in a house, you're going to find it. I have a study for you. Okay. In the 1990s, University of Illinois, they took two groups of people through an old abandoned theater. They're giving them tours of an old theater. They told one group of people that they were investigating some hauntings and things that were purported to have happened there. And the other group was not told that before they walked in. Which group do you think? I get was it. totally freaked out and saw spooky things. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So that suggestibility is there. But of course, what really gets creepy is when your kid says something that there's like, there was no suggestibility, right? Like so many of these stories are like, my kids said this and I have no idea why they would know this or say this. This is a great one. Katie says, when my oldest was about three, he told me he used to work for a man running one of those things that chopped wood and that other kids also worked for that man and that he was mean. And then I, my son, I was always sad. Then one day I was all covered in blood. At this point, he had never even watched Scooby-Doo, she said. <laughs> he may have seen Paw Patrol Halloween special, but that was not on Paw Patrol. She said he never mentioned it again and didn't seem traumatized by that, but she was. 
Oh, I would say yes. I would also be traumatized. Like you fell into a wood chipper and now you're back as my baby. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that would bother me. I don't know. Maybe I'm uptight, but I think that would freak me out a little bit. Right. Right. I mean, experts say that when your kids say this stuff, just to state the obvious, if your kid tells you something that seriously wigs you out, like I used to work for a mean man and then I was covered in blood and then I, you know, was in a wood chipper. And then I fell in a wood chipper. Okay. Yeah. I'm team that freaked me out. You can be freaked out by it, but if they're not freaked out by it as... Because that's usually what's the creepiest thing about this, right? He's telling you this very matter-of-factly and then goes back to like eating his Cheerios. And you're like, what? And they'll never mention it again. Save that for us, you guys. Save that for the Facebook group. And don't talk to your kid about like, so when you told me that, you know, it's not worth it. Unless they're upset. If they're upset, then that's different. If they're not upset, no reason to make them upset. Yeah. And who knows what's going on? And we're never going to know. We're never going to get to the... <laughs> no. I heard someone in a speech say once talking about seeing two kids... It was like a two and a half, three-year-old with a newborn baby brother and heard the three-year-old say to the baby, you have to tell me about the other place I'm starting to forget. And it's like, it really was like, oh my God, like what is out there? You don't know. Like, is there something before now that we are programmed to forget? I mean, are we all living in the matrix? Did we take the blue pill? Whatever. But like, Mm -hmm. there does seem something about that closeness to the other that little kids have that we lose as adults that is fascinating and also creepy. Well, we believe, I mean, many of us believe, right? Like, oh, you came from heaven and then you go to heaven. Like we believe in an afterlife and we believe in some sort of place we were before. Right. Do we? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what we believe. Yeah. yeah, We think, yeah, like, right. Like we think we do. A lot of us were raised to believe these things, but then the ghost thing is, yeah, I don't know. We don't mind if grandma is over there with a smile and a hug, but we do definitely (laughs) mind if Lula Rona is over there waiting to stab us. Grandma should not make the scary pumpkin face, though. No. (laughs) Grandma, what were you thinking with that? That was inappropriate. That's what it is. And that's what freaks us out as adults. It's like your grandma's standing behind you, even if it's like your own mom and your kid is like, grandma's standing behind me. Like you're a little freaked out because the scary pumpkin face because we've all watched too many movies. Yeah. And also it's scary because there is, we don't understand what's on the other side of everything. And we want to believe what's on the other side is hugging grandma, but we're secretly scared that what's on the other side is a haunted child who can't come out of the hotel. Yes. Jennifer says her father died a year ago and her daughter, who was three at the time, said she saw grandpa sitting in the backseat of the car next to her. And she said, I was a little freaked out. Right. It's freaky. That one's much, much better than Haunted Child. Okay. (laughs) Mickey says my son used to have full on conversations with his great great grandfather who died in the 80s, so had never met him. And whenever he was mad at us for telling him no or what not to do, he would say, I'm going to go tell great grandfather and he will be angry with you. He was four to five years old when all of this was going on. It was for sure spooky. (laughs) This is what's so interesting. Like, why is great, great grandfather? Why is he like jumping the generations? Right? Like, forget Mickey. She's lost to me. I'm going right to the kid. And I'm going to tell him that I'm unhappy with. I guess if for all this to be true, it has to be that our kids are open to it. Right? Like in the Haley Joel Osment way, they see dead people and we're like, nope, I'm not listening. Well, and it's also interesting. Like, what is great grandpa up to really? That he has (laughs) enough time to do this. Like... Somebody in my family ran a fairly well-known hotel. There has always been stories that he now haunts the hotel, you know, that people see him Uh stacking chairs in the hotel or they hear him stacking chairs, as I guess he used to do at the end of banquets. He would stack the chairs. And other people in the family are like, I'm hoping that the afterlife was better for him than a lot of chair stacking. Like he did enough. Rest in peace. (laughs) Rest in peace. (laughs) 
like this poor guy got enough of chair stacking in the real world. Yeah. Like, let's hope he's not just stacking chairs all the time. You know, Amy, here's one from Molly. Uh, Child was chatting excitedly in his room during quiet time. I asked who he was talking to. And he said, the other Ethan who lives in my closet. I assume he is Ethan as well. I don't know that he has a twin. This makes sense to me. See, my mind wants to be logical. I'm like, that's not real. He's just has an imaginary friend who's Ethan, because if it was George, I would be scared. Like, <laughs> if it was a different kid, then that's definitely a dead kid's ghost. But if it's another Ethan, that just seems like an imaginary friend. Ethan seeing another Ethan makes me think of something else kids are very prone to do. Let's talk about that when we get back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wannabe Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And now some Halloween jokes from kids from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo hoo. Don't cry, it's just a costume. (laughs) Why did the skeleton refuse to go to the ball? Why? Because he had no body to dance with. That's sad. How do you fix a broken jack-o'-lantern? With a pumpkin patch. Does that really work? What song do vampires hate? Mmm. You are my sunshine. They do hate the sun. What do you call two witches sharing an apartment? Brewmates. Happy Halloween! <laughs> we were just talking about Ethan, who was playing with the other Ethan who lives in his closet. Super creepy. It seems to me that's sort of like an imaginary friend type thing. 
Yes. We have a whole episode about imaginary friends. I'll put a link in the show notes. Anyway, Charles Ferniho, he's a psychologist who studies kids and hallucinations. <laughs> Pretty specific. I like it. We're glad you're out there. Dr. Ferniho. He says between a third and two thirds of children have imaginary companions. And he thinks that it is sort of a hallucination like experience. He comes down on the side of kids, clearly like reality imagination, like we know, right? Like to kids, witches and goblins flying in the sky, like that's sure it could be right. And so that then they can therefore successfully combine that in their head into sort of a hallucination-like experience that to them is extremely real. That's why they're so calm about it. This is true. And I had a funny experience last night. Now that my kids are getting older, they really are leaving the world of imagination behind a little bit. Yeah, I have a kid who's very into Harry Potter and is about to turn 11 and is very invested in finding out whether or not she is, in fact, going to get selected for Hogwarts. She's actually nine, so she's two years away. And, like, I can see her little heartbreaking because she's starting to get that, like, she doesn't think the owl is going to come. It's not coming down the fireplace, yeah. And then I have a kid who was going to bed last night. I mean, and just in the course of, like, otherwise normal discourse, walked back out of his bedroom. And he's like, hey, quick thing. Are werewolves real? (laughs) I said, no, they're not. No such thing. But he's older, but still was like, let me just get some clarity on this. Like werewolves. I've always thought that was a thing, but that's not a thing, right? Like there's no people who get bitten by wolves and turn into them. And I'm like, nope, that's a no. And so I do think kids, it's such a process of like leaving behind the magical and imaginary world where everything is true into something different. A world which we heartily encourage as grownups a lot of the time, right? Yes. Like the tooth fairy and everybody else who comes, you know, we're all for that. We just don't want to hear that grandpa's standing behind you. (laughs) No, no. And I think especially at my kid's age, which is 9, 11, 13, they're really in the process of leaving that behind. I was with a kid this weekend talking about zombies, watching some zombie stuff. And then you could see the process at night of like, are there really zombies? Like he was afraid of zombies, but in his logical mind understood that zombies weren't real. But you could almost see the gears turning of like, he's right in that space where like, I know it's not real, but it's still real to me. But just in case I'm going to sleep with the garlic around the neck. Yeah. Right. Or whatever it is. Asked, in fact, to sleep with a frying pan and was denied. (laughs) Dr. Woolley, who studies, you know, kids and fantasy and reality, she actually says that if your kid's not worried about, you know, the hatchet faced man that threw them in the wood chipper, they they mention it once and never again, leave it in the past. If they are distressed, and this is, again, not like sleepwalking, night terrors, distress, but like during the day talking about like, sometimes I see this and I'm scared. You work with the emotion, don't work with the ghost, that little kids trying to explain to them that it's not real. They're not ready for that. And also if they're scared, it doesn't matter. Yes. My daughter used to think that Edward Scissorhands is the hero of the movie, by the way. I think it's a PG-13 movie. I showed it to my maybe six-year-old, big mistake. And she lived with like a bone deep certainty that Edward Scissorhands was going to fly through the window of our, you know, very high apartment in New York City and you know, come together and no convincing her that no convincing her that Edward Scissorhands does not have the power of flight was involved. First of all, wasn't scary. Couldn't fly. He couldn't go through windows. First of all, he just likes to cut right. bushes and people's hair and he doesn't fly. What's wrong with I, you, kid? I Is Johnny Depp. I mean, I tried everything. Showed her pictures of like, here's the actor like getting his makeup on. You know, none of that worked. What did work was drawing a picture of a gardening angel to keep by her bed. Yeah. Magical thinking always helps. 
Magical thinking helps with magical thinking. Amy, I want to move on because it's a hilarious category that I have experienced to just kids saying incredibly freaky things. <laughs> Clore says, my three-year-old told me he was going to kill me and wants me to buy him a real laser sword for Halloween so that he can, quote, break people, unquote. I feel like this is somewhere that we as a group and society have really moved away from. Like, it is absolutely not okay to say anything violent, which I kind of understand. But I also think that there's a lot that kids need to process in this area. And it's funny. Mary says, my two-year-old has replaced her baby doll with a plastic Halloween vulture skeleton. She rocks it in a cradle, pushes it in a doll stroller, takes it to the potty and hugs and kisses it. She named it, Amy. Father Mingo. <laughs> of course. I have to say these are my oh favorite. Oh my kind of kids. god. Like, I exactly. Love a kid right. Who's got a vulture skeleton baby? Like never I, I stop. Mean, Father Mingo. I will mommy. babysit that kid any <laughs> yes. day. There's nothing that makes me happier than those weird, like dark Wednesday Adams, basically. You know, it's so cute. Or, or anything like Mary, like your job is to like keep that kid, right? Like keep Austin weird. Mary, your job is to like keep your kid weird, right? Like keep that kid weird. Yes. I mean, I've told this story on the podcast, I'll be brief, but when I was young, I had a sister who was born five years after me. I was the adorable baby of the family, and then my sister was born, and my mom was called in by the kindergarten teacher because I had drawn a picture of my mom holding the baby. It was like a triptych, my mom pregnant, then my mom holding the baby, and then a tombstone with the baby's name on it, and to which... The kindergarten teacher tried to sweetly suggest like, oh, you've drawn like the whole cycle of life. Like, you know, the mom has the baby. And then long, long, long ago, you know, the mom loves the baby. And then way in the future, the baby dies. And to which I responded, some babies die soon. <laughs> and I was, you know, flagged <laughs> as a person to not leave alone with the baby. But I do think that like... Kids don't really understand life and death. And kids sometimes do have the feeling of like, I want to murder my mom and dad. Like, I'm so mad. <laughs> and I think it's hard for kids to process that stuff. Laurel says she once burned her two-year-old's grilled cheese sandwich two days in a row, probably because he was acting the fool while I was trying to make them. Anyway, the second time it happened, he looked me dead in the eye and said in a flat voice, maybe the next mommy won't burn all my sandwiches. I mean... Love it, kid. I love it. These, see, this doesn't creep me out. I find it so delightful. I get joy chills from these. So good. Andrea says, I asked my four-year-old what he wants to be when he grows up. And he says, quote, I want to be a firefighter and put people in soup. <laughs> Those are his two ambitions. <laughs> Don't show Sweeney Todd to that kid. That is not a Johnny Depp movie you want to show to your child. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Johnny Depp is really getting hit hard during these episodes. He goes dark with his choices. Susan says, I was student teaching summer school for a group of five and six year olds and we were singing Old MacDonald. A student who didn't normally speak up wanted to select the next animal. So I was excited and said, OK, what animal? <laughs> he says, humans. So we're like, and on that farm, he had a human E-I-E-I-O with uh, OK, what does a human say? He deadpan looks at me and says, Revenge. <laughs> I do love weird children. It's my favorite. I think these spooky kids are from another time. Um, I have a kid. This is a little bit on a different tangent of this who 
when anxious, likes to list all of the things he's anxious about. But that means like we get on a plane and he's like, can I say what I'm worried about? And I would say, yes. And he'd be like, <laughs> I'm worried the pilot is going to have a heart attack and die. And then the plane is going to crash into the ground. And I'm like, okay, you're really scaring the people around us. You know, like I'm worried that, you know, you're on your trip. The plane is going to crash. And I'm like, okay, now I'm worried about that kid. Like, <laughs> Do we have to process all of our anxieties because it's really making me anxious? <laughs> this is a pretty spooky one. Curious says, over breakfast one morning, my then two-year-old daughter, who is very verbal for her age, she looked me in the eyes and said, one time when I was a boy, I opened a gate and walked to the pool and I fell in and didn't come out. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Amy, good Lord. She said, I said, what? That didn't happen. And she said, no, it was a long time ago when there was a different mommy. Okay. Curious says, we don't have a pool. She had never fallen in one. She never knew anybody who fell in one. She was a boy at the time, Kira. Come on. She was her first child. She hadn't watched TV. She said, it scared the you know what out of me, but I just let it go. She's never brought it up again. But I will never forget. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. It could be a lot of different things, but it could be that that child drowned in a previous life and you're on the second one. Yeah, yeah. In a previous life. You know, to give a little bit of a, uh, a skeptic's take on this, our minds, you know, make connections between events and our brain is always paying attention. So... Dr. Woolley says, in other words, we say, my kid said that there was a lady named Stella standing there and my great grandmother's name was Stella and my kid didn't know that. There's no way he could have known that. But there's a dog down the street named Stella. And so when we hear these stories, we make connections. So I, if Dr. Woolley were here right now, she would probably say something like, well, your kid probably heard somebody talking about that, like overheard at a time when you weren't around. And Adria might say, my kid is two and my kid's always around. Like, I'm, my kid's not like hanging out at parties without me. But is there a chance? I'm going to say there are two solid possibilities. Dr. Woolley is right or this kid drowned and is coming back to life as Kira's child. I don't know which of those is correct, but either one could be. On the other side, I just wanted to come down at the end with a little bit of Argos Real. Dr. Woolley, same person, same skeptic. She says it's important to never say never because as a scientist, it's the scientific way to be. So she remains a little agnostic about all of this. This is why it's fascinating and creepy. And I'm on the fence about all of this right now because my kids are coming into an age where they want to watch scary movies and do scary things and participate in the world of like real scare. Like they've gone from being like Tinkerbell to being like Bloody Hatchet Man, you know? Right. Not Mickey Mouse's super spooky. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're not like Mickey Mouse's super spooky house. They're like squid game and stabbing. You know, they want to like cross to the other side. But I do think there is a role there. We're always processing like scary. You know, we ride roller coasters and watch scary movies movies and Halloween is like, we're processing scary. And I think it's an important thing to do. And I also think, Amy, in conclusion, kids are extremely creepy. <laughs> We've solved it. They are creepy. Solved it. You're all living with tiny, tiny ghouls out there. And I hope that I really enjoyed this episode. I will think about the little girl with the skeleton vulture baby for the rest of my life in a wonderful way. Whenever I'm sad, I'll try to think of that. I'll probably cast my mind back to the little boy who used to work for a mean man who ran a wood chipper. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it worked Cute. out for him. Now look <laughs> yes. at him. He's a happy three or four year old living with a nice mom. <laughs> that was a long time ago. We loved doing this episode. We love our Facebook group. You can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash what fresh hellcast. You can join the conversation there. And friends, we have merch. And we want you to get this merch. 
Go to bit.ly slash whatfreshmerch and shop. The holidays are coming up. Get everyone you know and love an oldie lock sweatshirt. Supply chain issues, but not at bit.ly. The supply chain is not affecting the What Fresh Hell merchandise site. And you can use our t-shirts as toilet paper if things get really bad. And friends, with that, hope you have a happy and spooky Halloween. And we will talk to you next week. So long. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.